Hi, welcome to my podcast where today I'll talk about the Good Samaritan. My name is Tim Harner. I am a Christian author and apologist, a graduate of Houghton College and of Harvard Law School, where I was an editor of the Harvard Law Review. As an attorney, my primary role has been as a general counsel. Therefore, I call the six books that I've written the General Counsel Series. The first four books of the series outline the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, providing scriptural backing for the final installments of the series that outline the history of America and the history of the Church Universal. I post my latest thoughts regularly on my website, timharner.com. For this podcast, please reflect on the questions, Why did Jesus rebuke his disciples for asking him if they should call down fire to destroy a Samaritan village? Are there people today who are hated because of their religion, ethnicity, or nationality? Why didn't anyone except the Good Samaritan help the wounded man who had been robbed? How should we treat such wounded people, such wounded neighbors, even if we've been taught to hate and fear them because of their religion, ethnicity, or nationality? And now, as I talk about the Good Samaritan, let's pray that the Lord will let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in the sight of the Lord our God, who is our strength and our Redeemer. Today's thoughts are based on the chapter, The Good Samaritan, in my book, Hoping in the Lord. As time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. I always feel a chill when I read these words. Even though Jesus knew that he must soon die for our sins, he did not turn back from the path that God wanted him to take. Despite the cost, he resolutely set out for Jerusalem. The very first incident on the way to Jerusalem must have made him wonder if he'd been wasting his time teaching his disciples for the last few years. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus and his disciples passed through Samaria. Jesus sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. Unfortunately, the people in the Samaritan village did not welcome Jesus because Jesus was heading for Jerusalem. The Jews and the Samaritans hated each other for a variety of reasons, stretching back almost a thousand years. The reasons included religious differences, racial differences, and national differences. The same kind of differences that cause so much hatred and violence throughout the world today. How did Jesus deal with such differences? How did Jesus act when he was the victim of discrimination and prejudice based on religion, race, and national origin? Not the way most people do, and not the way the disciples wanted to. The disciples showed their true colors by their reaction. The disciples James and John asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? Obviously, James and John had not been paying attention when Jesus taught them, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And obviously, they totally misunderstood 
what Jesus meant by commanding his disciples, in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. So Jesus turned and rebuked them, and they went to another village. The first step in teaching his disciples how to respond in the face of such discrimination and prejudice was to avoid using violence to retaliate. Such a violent response of anger and hatred feeds the cycle of anger, hatred, and violence. To prove this, we need look no further than places such as Northern Ireland, Bosnia, and the Middle East. But Jesus wants far more from his disciples than merely avoiding violence in the face of discrimination and prejudice. Jesus wants us to love other people, regardless of all the reasons we have to hate them. Jesus made this point in a story about a Samaritan that he told a short time after his disciples wanted to burn down the Samaritan village. He told this famous story of the Good Samaritan in response to some questions by an expert in the law who stood up to test Jesus. This expert started by asking Jesus a question similar to the question of the rich young ruler in the previous chapter. Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus responded with the questions, What is written in the law? How do you read it? The legal expert quoted the laws, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus agreed with the legal expert, replying, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. So far, the conversation had gone pretty much the way it did with the rich young ruler. In each case, the person questioning Jesus knew what commandments they needed to keep to inherit eternal life. But here the conversations diverged. The rich young ruler came to Jesus on his knees begging to learn what he needed to do to fill the lack he felt in his life. Jesus challenged him to give his riches to the poor and come, follow Jesus. In contrast, this legal expert stood up to test Jesus. He showed no sign that he thought he lacked anything in his life. Instead, he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? By asking this question, he was using his legal training to trivialize what Jesus was teaching him. Like any skilled lawyer, he decided to quarrel over the exact definition of a word in the law, and he tried to define the word in a manner that would make it easy to comply with the law. In this case, the key word was neighbor. The legal expert wanted to define neighbor to include as few people as possible so that it would be easier to keep the law, love your neighbor as yourself. In response, Jesus defined the term neighbor to include as many people as possible by telling the story of the Good Samaritan. I assume that the story is familiar to you. A man was attacked by robbers as he traveled from Jerusalem to Jericho. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. 
The first two people to pass by refused to help the man. This would be contemptible enough, even if they were just ordinary people. But they were clergy, a priest and a Levite, people who should be committed to modeling God's ways in their lives. We are not told exactly why these two people refused to stop and help. Perhaps they were in too much of a hurry. Perhaps they were afraid the robbers would return and attack them. Either reason would be a poor excuse for not helping someone. But probably the biggest reason that these clergy wouldn't help the man was a religious reason. They didn't want to become ceremonially unclean by touching an injured person. That's why Jesus stressed that both clergy passed by on the other side when they saw the man. If they became ceremonially unclean, they couldn't perform their role as clergy until enough time had passed and they had performed the necessary rituals. This was the type of hypocritical religiosity that most infuriated and angered Jesus. It was the attitude of a typical Pharisee, worrying more about themselves than about other people, caring more about keeping rules than about helping people. In contrast, the Good Samaritan acted the way Jesus wants us to act. As the Samaritan traveled, he came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. Jesus always prefers pity to piety. The Samaritan's compassion is all the more remarkable and commendable because the Samaritan had plenty of excuses for hating the man. Based on the religious, racial, and national prejudices of the Samaritans, he easily could have thought to himself, Good, that Jew got what he deserved. I hope he dies. The only good Jew is a dead Jew. Jesus' own disciples had such hate in their hearts when they wanted to destroy a Samaritan village with fire from heaven. Fortunately, instead of being motivated by the hatred that his culture taught, the Samaritan was motivated by the kind of love that Jesus taught. He helped the person. Furthermore, the Samaritan didn't merely use a cellular phone to call for help like we might do today. We'd feel we were saints if we were willing to spend a dollar on a phone call and were willing to interrupt listening to the radio in order to help a stranger. The Samaritan wasted a considerable amount of time and money to help this stranger who his culture taught him to hate. As Jesus told the legal expert, he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey took him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Now Jesus was ready to get back to debating with the legal expert what the word neighbor meant. Jesus asked him, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? At least this legal expert was smart enough to know he'd met a better lawyer than he was, and he was honest enough to answer Jesus truthfully. So the legal expert replied, the one who had mercy on him. We are not supposed to define neighbor narrowly 
to include as few people as possible. We are supposed to look as hard as we can every day to find people who we can treat as neighbors. Even if the person is someone who we have good reason to hate, we still must love them as our neighbor. Furthermore, Jesus isn't content with us merely having the correct intellectual understanding of what it means to love our neighbor as ourselves. Jesus demands that we put love into action. And so, Jesus told the legal expert the same thing that he tells each of us today. Go and do likewise. Go, follow Jesus, being a good Samaritan, a good neighbor, who blesses all peoples in the promised land. I hope you enjoyed this podcast today. If you did, please share it with a friend and find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, as well as on my website, timharner.com. My book, Hoping in the Lord, contains citations to sources, including the scriptures. Until we are together again, may the Lord bless us and keep us. May the Lord make his face to shine upon us and be gracious unto us. May the Lord turn his face toward us and give us peace.